Good morning, and welcome to On Target, a radio ministry of Village Bible Church in Hot Springs Village. We are located near the Coronado Center at 100 Ponderosa Way. Our Sunday morning service starts at 9.15 a.m. We hope you will enjoy and benefit from the sermon you will hear this morning. Now sit back and relax as you listen to a message by Senior Pastor Dr. Jason Lancaster. Now I'm going to start this morning by telling you uh, an old story from Charles Spurgeon. It's a parable of sorts. Often when I hear old stories, my mind tunes out. Don't let that happen to you. Let me read this story to you. It's really, really good. Once upon a time, there was a gardener who grew an enormous carrot. And he took it to the king and said, My lord, this is the greatest carrot I have ever grown or ever will grow. Therefore, I want it to present it to you as a token of my love and respect for you. The king was touched and discerned the man's heart. So as he turned the go, the king said, Wait, wait, wait. You are clearly a good steward of the earth. I own a plot of land right next to yours. I want to give it to you freely as a gift so you can garden it all. The gardener was amazed and delighted, and he went home rejoicing. But there was also a nobleman at the king's court, and he overheard this conversation. He's like, my, if that's what you can get for a carrot. Imagine if you gave the king something better. The next day, a nobleman came before the king, and he was leading a handsome black stallion. He bowed low and said, My lord, I breed horses, and this is the greatest horse I've ever bred or ever will. Therefore, I wanted to present it to you as a token of my love and respect for you. But the king discerned his heart and said, Thank you, and took the horse and simply dismissed the man. The nobleman was perplexed, so the king said, let me explain. That gardener was giving me the carrot, but you were giving yourself the horse. Are you the gardener or the nobleman? In your relationship with God, do you express gratitude to him for what he's done for you in the gospel or are you trying to do things in life to earn God's blessings and favor? You see, one is centered on God and the other is self-centered because the gardener is all about God and the nobleman is all about self. And as you live in this world, you're either gonna have the mindset of the gardener or the mindset of the nobleman. And what I wanna do this morning is bring you back to the simplicity of the gospel, that you are welcomed into a relationship with the whole, into with the relationship with the holy God by grace alone, through faith alone, and the finished work of Christ alone. And if you are a child of God, you will express gratitude in the gospel. However, if you set the gospel aside, you're going to spend your life trying to earn favor with God, to earn favor with others, where you can just do tips here and tricks here so God will notice you and God will bless you. And the big idea for today is simple. It's not about doing, but believing. It's not about doing, but believing. Let me put it to you theologically. 
It's not about doing righteousness based on the law, but believing righteousness based on faith. It's not about doing righteousness based on the law, but believing righteousness based on faith. Well, as we look back at Galatians this morning, we're going to see a group of people acting more like the nobleman than the gardener. The Galatians have been duped by another gospel that says you must believe in Jesus and basically become a Jew. Believe in Jesus and get circumcised. Believe in Jesus and keep these dietary laws. And Paul pushes back and he says consistently, Jesus plus anything equals nothing. Jesus plus anything equals nothing. And I don't know what it is. There is something in my heart and your heart and the human heart that wants to do certain things on this earth so that we can earn with God. We can earn salvation. We can earn these blessings. And if we're not careful, we can be like the Galatians and be in danger of switching from a gospel of grace to no gospel at all. Now, before we look at these five verses, I'm gonna give you one verse I want you to just look at so you can get the context. Look at chapter two, verse 21. Look at chapter two, verse 21. I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. There is no such thing as the grace of God if you can be counted righteous or declared righteous in God's sight by law keeping or good works. If salvation is by good works, then Christ died needlessly. If someone says they can be a good person to get to heaven, then what was the point of Jesus dying on the cross? I've heard it put this way. Let's just say your house is burning down, but your family has escaped. And I say to you, look how much I love you. And I run into your house and I die. That's tragic and pointless waste of life. Why would I do that? But let's say your house is burning down and one of your kids is left inside and is going to die unless rescued. I say, let me show you how much I love you. I run inside, I rescue your child, but I die. And you say, that man loved us so much. Do you see, if you can rescue yourself from the coming wrath, from the judgment of God, then why in the world did Jesus die? What was the point of his death if you can rescue yourself by being a good person? As Paul says, Christ died needlessly. I want you to understand that this is something we're gonna keep hitting over and over again because the word hits it in Galatians, but also because our hearts need to hear it because we are so prone to stray into human performance and achievement. As I said before, many of you have had your family set up this way from as you're a little kid, that if you want your dad to love you or your mom to love you, you better behave, you better obey, because if you do not, then they're going to shun you. Not just discipline you, but not love you. And you have these family structures set up this way. And so when you come to the Word of God that talks about grace alone, faith alone, finished work of Christ alone, it kind of messes with your mind because you're like, well, that's not the way I was raised. I was raised, if you do the right things, then you will get certain blessings. And so grace is new to you. And that's why we're going to keep bombarding you with this grace. Grace alone, faith alone, finished work of Christ alone. 
Let's jump into five rhetorical questions that Paul is going to ask today from these straying and foolish Galatians. Chapter 3, verse 1. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. How can the Galatians be so foolish? It must be witchcraft. They have come under the spell of the false teachers. Paul came preaching to them the gospel of Jesus, and in hearing the gospel, it was clear before their very eyes, as it says clearly, that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. The gospel is so vivid among them and the preaching of Paul, it's as if they embrace the cross of Christ vividly, that Jesus bore their sin in their place to rescue them from their sins. But now it's as if they have come under the spell of witchcraft. And the same evil that is behind witchcraft is the same evil behind this false teaching, this false doctrine of works salvation. There is a movement across the country several years ago where high schools were starting these little clubs of witches on their campus. Now, basically, it's just a bunch of foolish teenagers messing around with evil. But Christians heard about this, and then they started writing about it, that groups of teenagers across the country are forming these clubs of witches, and witches are soon going to take over our public schools. And we freak out. And yet I would say that there's an equally even greater evil in the churches in America. There's even a greater evil in the churches in the world. And it's so subtle that I doubt you would call it evil. There is a false gospel in the churches in America and throughout the world that says that if you will do a certain thing to get God to bless you, And that is a combination of faith kind of mixed with your works. And if you are sick, God will heal you. It's a faith mixed with your works. And if you need some money, God will make you rich. And I know you sit in here in a safe environment, hopefully under good gospel preaching, but our churches across the country and the world are being consumed with this false doctrine of health and wealth. In fact, entire countries have been taken over by this false gospel. In fact, an entire continent in Africa is ruled by this false doctrine. And the reason why I'm bringing it up is because many of us would never say, when we turn on our TV and we see a false teacher, we would rarely ever say, that's evil. But Paul is saying the evil that is behind witchcraft, which we would all gladly say for sure, is the same evil behind false doctrine. Who has bewitched you? Where does this evil come from that you're moving from grace and now you're trying to manipulate God to get him to do what you want him to do? That's evil. And Paul calls it as much. It's not about doing to manipulate God, but about believing in the crucified Christ. He keeps coming back to that. Well, the next rhetorical question, verse 2. This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? When the Galatians trusted in Christ, they received the Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit did not come upon them and live within them through circumcision or the works of the law, but through faith. It's like Paul is appealing to them, you started in faith, do not think now that you need to get circumcised. Because if you get circumcised, you are going to abandon the faith because you're gonna switch emphasis from the work of Christ to your own works. And we know that when a person becomes a believer, the Holy Spirit takes up residence within them, within them, not by the works of the law, but by hearing with faith. They heard the gospel of the crucified Christ and responded with faith and were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, when I preach occasionally, I'm gonna do something that may surprise you because you may have never heard it before. I'm going to take a sermon timeout and explain something. I'll do it a few times a year. And this will be the first sermon timeout I have taken with you. And I wanna ask the question, if these Galatians have the Holy Spirit, then why are they acting this way? If they hold the Holy Spirit of God living in them, then why are they starting to move in the direction of works for salvation? Well, the theological answer you could say, well, believers can quench the Spirit of God. And believers are prone to wander, even with the Holy Spirit living in them. So I'll push back and ask you the next question. If the Galatians do not repent, will they go to hell? If they go ahead with circumcision and law keeping to be justified before God, will they go to hell? Well, I think Paul's already answered that question as he said that his proponents of this false gospel are accursed and cut off from God. So if the Galatians choose to move on ahead with circumcision for justification before God, they will go to hell. But here's the deal. Those who are true believers filled with the Holy Spirit, they will hear the warnings from God. They will be stirred up to repent and turn away from the evil. So when we see warnings in the New Testament addressing believers, the believers are to take the warning and to repent and turn in the right direction. Think of it like this. While I was in college at Arkansas Tech University in Russellville, my parents used to live up here in Hot Springs. And in order to get from Hot Springs to Russellville, you have to go down Highway 7. And Highway 7 is scary. My son drove it and he said, those speed limit suggestions are not just suggestions, you better go that speed limit. Because it says, here comes a curve, if you do not slow down, you will go off and basically die. When we see the warnings in the New Testament, it's like those, those, those warning signs on Highway 7. I see them and I don't think, I'm gonna go off the cliff and die. No, I see them slow down and to make it around just fine. When you see the warnings in the New Testament, don't say, oh no, I'm going to hell, I'm doomed. No, you let the warnings do their work within you. That's why Paul is confronting the Galatians to bring them to repentance and true believers will repent. Time in, let's go. All right, that was fun. Verse three, let's keep going. Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? The Galatians started by faith 
and the work of the Holy Spirit, but now they are moving on to such things as circumcision and being right with God. It's the flesh. It's like these false teachers would say, it's faith plus works equals salvation. It's not like we start the Christian life with the gospel and then we, we ditch the gospel and move on to self-effort. And I think that's what a lot of Christians see uh, the Christian life as, that we start with the gospel and then if we wanna be perfected, we leave the gospel there and we move on to life principles. And if we follow and do the life principles just right, then our, our life will be full of blessing and the gospel's left over here. And what Paul is getting at, he says, no, 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 you don't start by faith, you don't start in the spirit and you set that all aside. And then you just go off and do what you wanna do to be perfected, oh no. You must stay in the gospel. Think of it this way. There's commands in the Bible about giving generously to the Lord. Many of you would call it tithing, giving to your church. It's a life principle. It's in the word of God. And many people would say, just obey the life principle and then your life will be blessed. But you know what? What if I don't want to? What if I have a greedy heart that doesn't want to give to my church? I don't want to give to missionaries. What do you say then? That's why we never set the gospel aside. Because Jesus continually deals with our hearts. He continually causes us to be convicted. He continually offers us repentance and faith and forgiveness in him. And if I could say this a lot, I would say it a lot, my brothers and sisters, we never move on from the cross of Christ and the necessity of faith and the works of the Spirit towards self-effort to make life work. I'm gonna say it again. We never move on from the cross of Christ and the necessity of faith and the work of the Spirit towards self-effort to make life work. We must stay rooted in the gospel, stay rooted in faith, stay rooted in the Holy Spirit and not shift to self-effort. And some of you may say, well, how are we gonna get to heaven? Isn't it faith plus works? It's not. It's, it's the idea that he who began a good work in you, he will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. We do not move on from grace and faith to works. We stay rooted in faith by the power of the Spirit. Rhetorical question number four. Did you suffer so many things in vain if indeed it was in vain? The Galatians not only believed in Christ, but they also suffered for him through persecution. Paul's like, was all that suffering in vain? <laughs> if they think that circumcision and dietary laws are necessary to gain favor with God, then all that suffering was in vain. The thing that has baffled me uh, one the most in my Christian life is to see other believers endure so much suffering, faithful to the Lord, faithfully abiding in Christ, faithfully turning to him, and then one day it's like they just snap and they leave it all and they go on this search for self-improvement. They go on this inner search for discovering life in and of themselves. And I don't wanna go into too much details. In fact, I don't wanna go into any details, but I wanna say there is someone so close to me that I got to observe every single day endured painful trials and turning to the Lord, resting by faith in Jesus, Bible all marked up, tear-stained Bible. But it's like one day they snapped and they pretty much just set the word aside and they turned inward 
and they set out on this, they set out on this adventure of self-discovery and self-salvation and pushed the Lord out to the periphery. And I see that and I'm like, was all of your suffering and faithfulness, was it in vain? That's why you have to be so careful that in your suffering, and you will go through suffering if you have not already, and you probably have been through a lot of suffering, you want to be careful to keep rooting yourself in the comfort of Jesus, to keep coming back to Christ. Because sometimes when it hurts so bad, you think to yourself, this faith thing is not working, as if it's like you put a coin in a machine and it makes it work. It's not working. If you're, if you're facing suffering, that's the normal part of the Christian life. There's nothing really wrong with you. You're, you're a believer. We suffer, but you want to keep coming back to Christ. And if, if you miss that perspective, you'll set it aside. Maybe you'll snap and you'll go off into self-salvation, self-discovery, self-improvement, and leave Christ behind. And Paul's like, did you do all that suffering in vain? That now you're going to bail on Christ? Keep coming back to the comfort of Christ. And then Paul finishes up with his questions with verse 5. So then, does he who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you do it by works of the law or by hearing with faith? <laughs> it's like he's saying, you started in faith. Now stay in faith. You started in the Spirit. Now stay in the Spirit. God worked miracles among you in saving you and even working other miracles. Why would you abandon him now? Did these miracles come through the Spirit or did they come through works of the law like circumcision? Do you see how ridiculous this is? Okay, we're going to go get circumcised and God's going to work all these miracles. That's, that's ridiculous. These miracles that God worked in saving you by faith. These miracles he worked in your life by faith. It's, it's his working, not based upon your works. It's through hearing, through faith, and it's as if Paul keeps coming back to the simplicity of the gospel, focused on Christ alone, grace alone, faith alone. Keep looking to the simplicity of the gospel. I know you show up here on Sunday morning and think we're going to complicate things and we're going to just keep coming back to the cross. We're going to keep coming back to grace. We're going to keep coming back to the gospel of Jesus Christ. The simplicity of the gospel that sinners such as yourself and myself can be reconciled to a holy God through faith. And it's the simplicity of this gospel that is often rejected. And I'm wondering if one of the reasons that it is rejected is that we want to play the hero one of the greatest feats would be to stand before God and say, I was a good person. I worked hard at being a good person, at keeping your law. I have achieved a right standing before you. I deserve to be here. We want to play the hero. We want to be the competent person. We want to be the person that has it all together. Sometimes I wonder uh, if my kids think that their dad is so awesome that he has it all together, that I'm just going to have this relationship with God because I'm, uh, I'm an awesome guy. Sometimes they look at me as the one who knows all and has it all together. For example, yesterday the power went out at our house. And when the power went out, the kids, they treat me like God. <laughs> Each kid is asking me, why did it go out? When is it going to come back on? 
I was getting very annoyed. They kept asking that over and over again. And so I basically just said, uh, a meteor has hit the world. <laughs> and it's never coming back on. <laughs> but I want my kids to know that I am way in over my head. And apart from God, I am doomed for destruction. I'm still very, very needy of the gospel every single day. And they think they're bad and they do sinful things. They must not know me very well. For I'm just as bad as them and I'm a sinner turned into a saint by His grace. Once again, it's not about doing but believing. I am undone before a holy God. I need His salvation. There's a pastor named Tim Keller. He's a master at getting at these heart-level motivations. And I'm going to end with a few of them for you. I don't know if you'll be able to write these down. Just It's fine if you can. I'm sorry I didn't put them anywhere for you, but here's what I'm getting at. I'm going to contrast religion with the gospel. This is what religion says. Religion, I obey, therefore I am accepted. I obey, therefore I am accepted. I keep the rules. I keep the law. I be a good person. Therefore, God is going to accept me. Churches are filled with religion. Be good, keep the rules, then God will accept you, hopefully. But what does the gospel say? I am accepted, therefore I obey. I am accepted, therefore I obey. I am just this uh, gardener that is so grateful for my salvation. I want to obey, not so that God will welcome me into eternity because I'm already accepted in Christ. I want to obey. Religion also says, religion, I obey God in order to get things from God. That's the mentality of the nobleman that we saw earlier. I'm going to do some obedience here, but really, I just want God to do things for me. I obey God in order to get things from God. That's religion. But what's the gospel? I obey God to get God, to delight and resemble him. I'm just grateful for what he's done for me. I just want to obey him. I want to obey him because I just want to walk with him. I don't want my relationship with him hindered because I'm over here doing some secret hiding thing. I want to delight in him. I want to resemble him. I want to be like him. It's the gospel. And religion says, well, my identity and self-worth are based mainly on how hard I work or how moral I am. If I wake up <laughs> and I have a devotional, I'm feeling pretty good about myself that day. <laughs> but the next day, if I don't have a devotional, I'm doomed. <laughs> My identity and self-worth, it's about how hard I work. It's how moral I am. But what's the gospel saying? My identity and self-worth are centered on the one who died for me. I'm saved by sheer grace. Simplicity of the gospel. We're not complicating things. Grace alone, faith alone, finished work of Christ alone. I am undone on my own. I do not have it altogether. I need a Savior. I'm going to give you an image and leave you with this. It's a story that I read from this book called The One Way Love. And as the author says that he keeps on losing his keys. I don't know if anybody here ever loses their keys all the time, but he, he always loses his keys. And it makes him late and it causes him to miss appointments. And he, he gets frantic and blaming his kids and his wife. And he searches all over the kitchen and the bedroom. He's moaning and groaning and about to scold everyone. 
in his path. And then what he does, he simply puts his hand in his pocket. Oh, there's my keys. The first place he's supposed to look is the last place he looks. Do you see the simplicity of the gospel? Things may be difficult and challenging in your life. <laughs> you may be on this frantic search for meaning and affirmation and successes in trying to earn favor with God and others. Maybe your identity and self-worth is in your morality or your, your identity and self-worth is in your leadership or your accomplishments. And I just want to tell you, you have all that you need in Christ. And you need to keep coming back to this simple message over and over again that the keys are in your pocket. You are accepted, adopted, loved, filled with the Holy Spirit, completely righteous in Christ. Nothing can separate you from God's love ever in Christ Jesus. His love is aimed and targeted right at you. He sent his son to die for you, to rise for you, to welcome you into his family. You don't need to move on from the simplicity of this great love in the gospel because you have it all in Christ Jesus. And that's why we keep saying over and over again, it's not about doing, but about believing. About believing in the crucified, resurrected, reigning Christ. Your righteousness forever. We hope you enjoyed this message. It was preached recently at Village Bible Church. You can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at vbchsv.org or call us at 922-0404. Meanwhile, have a blessed day as you walk along the way, guided by God's Word.